listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program and so much to get through this next hour as we take you through everything that is happening in the last little bit. And I'm just, I'm at my new studio here in Don Mills, just turning myself down and there we have that figured out. Uh, The new numbers for Ontario, the new COVID-19 numbers that we expect any time. They're supposed to come out at about 10.30. They're now running about 90 minutes late. And this will tell us the new numbers of confirmed cases in Ontario. Yesterday, that number was only eight. However, the medical officer of health said, don't read too much into that because the numbers could go up and will expect to go up. We're also keeping our eye on the number of tests because that is absolutely vital. The number of tests that we are able to conduct in this province. The medical officer of health saying that they want to be able to do 5,000. Right now, they are just being able to scale up to 2,000. So it'll be interesting to see that is part of the information that is published. Well, the big news, of course, as you've heard, the, uh, the border shut down. Donald Trump tweeting this morning that by mutual consent, we will temporarily close our northern border with Canada to non-essential traffic. Trade will not be affected. Details to follow, and the details that followed came from the Prime Minister, who then came out and announced a number of things, including a massive financial stimulus program. And there is a lot to get through. Justin Trudeau? I'm going to go grab my coat and I'll be right back. Mr. Prime Minister? I'm going to go grab my coat and I'll be right back. He's just gone inside to get his coat. Uh, $27 billion in personal support, $55 billion in tax deferrals, and an $82 billion benefit package. All of that announced today. Now, here is the main announcement from Justin Trudeau as he gives you the details on the financial stimulus package, especially for people who will be impacted right away. Here's the Prime Minister. We will be introducing a COVID-19 emergency support benefit to help you. This will apply also to people who are self-employed and have to close shop because of the virus. I'm going to go grab my coat and I'll be right back. As we're working on a little bit of our uh, details here, as we're trying to work our way through some technical aspects... I'm hearing myself on a bit of a delay, which makes it difficult. So I'll just take this off here for a moment, and I'll get some technical aspects here. And uh, some of, uh, I'm just going to continue to talk as my technician here, Henry, works on trying to get that audio not repeating to me. The Prime Minister, again, saying $27 billion in personal support, $55 billion in tax deferrals. And then, of course, he went inside to get his coat. Also, uh, part of the part of the situation that will be coming forward is a change in tax and when you will be able to take your tax. I wonder if you can just play something for me, Rob, on the board. No matter where you live, what you do, or who you are, you will get the support you need during this time. In Canada, public health should never hinge on financial considerations. All right, we're continuing to having some difficulties here as we're working our way through it. Jackie Lamport is in the booth for me, and uh, Jackie, maybe you could just take over for a moment as we get this uh, going here. And we're going to take some calls today as well, 416-870-6400, your very latest on uh, what is going on with you, what is the situation at your home, and how you are surviving. We'll throw it over to Jackie as we try and get this worked out. 
Uh, so we just heard from True, or sorry, Bill Marneau just a bit earlier about the uh, financial uh, specifics that Trudeau was announcing earlier today, um, which I believe, Alan, you have a guest scheduled for, so we'll introduce Andreas Park, the professor of finance at Rotman. Uh, Andreas, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. So you were obviously listening to Bill Morneau earlier. Um, can you just give us an overview of what you think that this might do for the economy? Do you think this is worrying, or do you think that the, the government's got a good handle on things? Well, look, I think there's three steps in which we have to think here, right? So the first step is we have to make sure that we resolve the current situation that, uh, you know, that, um, that there's sufficient medical supplies, that the part of the economy uh, that, uh, you know, deals with sick people can work. So we must make sure that we do everything we can for the health sector. That's the immediate thing we have to do. The next thing is, is we have to make sure that this uh, quarantine, if you want to call it that way, is not call it causing long-lasting damage. So the long-lasting damage could come in the form of people defaulting on their loans, on, the, uh, on their debt, on people losing their houses, people not being able to pay their credit cards, and so on and so forth. Um, and for that, you need immediate help. So what we don't want is want people to, you know, there's a lot of people who are casual staff who can be laid off at a moment's notice who will not uh, receive any payments and any salary or any income during this time. And we need to make sure that these people, you know, can, can survive. And, and this is how I see the current, uh, the current um, you know, announcement of, of the help that the government is putting out for people, what it tries to do. And then... In, in a few months' time, uh, when things will go back in some form to normal, when we're leaving our houses again and so on, then we need to think about stimulus. And if I may say one thing, I, I really think we mustn't call the current measure stimulus because nobody wants to stimulate the economy at this moment in time. All that we're doing is we're putting in a backstop to make sure that, you know, we're, we're not totally collapsing, that we're not moving into a depression. And do Andreas, you think- uh, I'm, I'm back now. Thank you so much, Jackie, if, if you don't mind if I jump in. I just wondered if you could give me a sense of the size of this, about 3% of GDP, and whether you think that that is adequate. Well, you have to. I think one has to monitor the situation. So I, I honestly cannot speak to how many people, uh, you know, what what people's income is and how much will be displaced by this current shock of of not being able to work and not drawing an income. My sense is that it will work for maybe a month or two. It will make sure that it gives people a buffer. That people are feeling sufficiently secure that that they don't have to cut down on all the essentials and that people don't have to worry. Um, and then, then I think in a month's time, we have to see how the measures work. Um, hopefully, in a month's time, we can leave houses again and, and move around and go shopping. And then we need to look at the data and see if more is needed. But, so, I think but the, 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 right details, the details here, though, are $450 a week. You can apply online. It'll be a direct deposit. No medical proof is required. Uh, in terms of this emergency care benefit package that the government announced. However, it does not start until early April. And I'm wondering if, if the timing and the mechanism of, is of any concern to you. That's a good question. Um, so we need to rely on the short I mean, so what that implies is that in the short term, people need to uh, rely on their own credit facilities so that they can use their credit cards to pay, uh, that they can maybe have an overdraft. And they may need to ask their bank to have a short term overdraft of, um, on their bank account. Now, that is a possibility if the banking sector plays ball. Um, and, you know, if you look at the announcement from the banking sector, it seems that they are willing to, to help uh, to, to do their part. 
And at the end of the day, they receive cheap money from the Bank of Canada so that they can actually, so that they're not becoming liquidity constrained and that they can actually provide funding to people. Um, you know, it's also not that straightforward to set up uh, set up a website and to set up a system where you can quickly receive money. So all of that takes time and it has to work. The last thing we want is, is that this, that you set something up and then it doesn't work, you know, really smoothly because then people start to really panic. Andreas Park is a professor of finance at Rotman. Thank you so much for being on the program and sticking with us through those technical difficulties. Thank you very much. Not a problem. And thank you to Jackie Lamport for uh, jumping in there. And again, we want to get to your calls over this next hour as we have the gremlins sort of ironed out. I mean, you know, the the government's going to take a little while to hand out billions of dollars. You know, you could give us a minute or so to work out the gremlins in the in the new studio. I think that's the way that works. I want to play one more for you here. This is uh, from Justin Trudeau. And this is kind of the summation, really, that he made today about what these financial measures, this $82 billion, and as you heard uh, the guest there saying, don't call it stimulus. Don't call it a stimulus. Everybody loves a stimulus, but don't call it a stimulus. It is a backstop. Here again is, is Justin Trudeau. No matter where you live, what you do, or who you are, you will get the support you need during this time. In Canada... Public health should never hinge on financial considerations. That is Justin Trudeau. Public health should never hinge on financial considerations because if we do not provide money and money quickly for people, they will find themselves in a position where they think, well, I I just have to go to work or I just cannot stay in self-isolation. And what we want to be able to do here, of course, is to keep people inside. Now, your stories are ahead here on the Alan Carter Radio Program. We're going to take you around the world. What's going around the world? We'll take you to Spain, to a Canadian who is in self-isolation in Spain. And what's going on there as that now has become the epicenter of the outbreak, almost surpassing Italy. Plus, your stories, how are you coping with self-isolation? And here's one I want to hear. I want to hear from anybody who is having trouble convincing a family member, someone else, that to take this seriously. I mean, if you want to call in and tell me that you shouldn't take it seriously, that's fine, too. But I think there's a lot of conversations going on where people are like, listen, dad, and I'm not talking about my dad, my dad's listening, you know, you, you, whether whoever it is in your family, you know, whether it's your kids, whatever, it's like, no, 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 this, th- th- we have to do this. This has to be done. This is not an overreaction. It's not time to panic. It's not time to get upset, but it's time to listen to health authorities and do what is being advised. <laughs> Get you up to date on what's going on around the world, some of the headlines before we get to your calls and stories that you have about trying to convince family members that this is serious, to take it serious. A couple of quick headlines. Porter Airlines says it is temporarily suspending all flights. The airline says the cancellations will take effect after the end of the day on Friday. The airline plans to resume service June the 1st. In New York State, new numbers, 200, or pardon me, 2,382 cases. That is 1,008 more than yesterday. And UNESCO says around half of the world's student population 
is now out of school because of the global virus pandemic. The latest school closures now cover 102 countries. Let's get to your stories and your stories about whether or not you have family members that you're trying to convince it's time to take this seriously. John is on line two. Hi, John. Yes. Um, nope. My parents are not taking this serious at all. My dad thinks it's just, it'll be what it'll be. We all got to die of something. And, you know, whatever. There isn't enough people dying to be really concerned yet. I explained to him the medical system will collapse if we're not following what we're supposed to do. Well, it won't be my worry. I said it will be if they pull you off the ventilator and give it to someone else. And you know, really uh, truly, th- they don't care. And how, how's that? You know, I've had that conversation. You know, I had that exact conversation just recently. But somebody's like, you know, why, why are we freaking out so much? It's just like the flu. And trying to explain, no, it's not. It's This is not the same sort of thing. It's not just a bad case of the flu going around. And, and John, I, I'm just wondering how that is wearing on you as you're trying to have these communications with your dad. Unbelievable. It's so frustrating. It's just, it's like, whatever. Who cares? Like, it's, it's like, no, man, take this serious. This, people die. People will die. You know, and, well, well it is what it is. All right, John, thank you for your call, and and the very best as you try and navigate what is a tough family situation, and I think a lot of people are in that situation. I I know I've had conversations like that with my friends and my family, like, listen, this is serious. I want to bring in Sean O'Shea, our global news reporter who is down at the border. Of course, you heard the breaking news this morning that the border between the United States and Canada is going to be closed to everything except for non-essential travel. Hi, Sean, what are you seeing where you are? Hi, good afternoon, Al. We're right parked on the Canadian side at the Whirlpool Bridge, which is one of the two smaller bridges here, the Rainbow and the Whirlpool. So these are bridges where people come back and forth, not for commercial purposes. So these are bridges where you'll probably see more people not being allowed to come in. Um, I spoke to a a border person uh, down here a little while ago. They're still waiting for instructions uh, from above as to what kinds of questions to be asking to be able to determine from somebody whether they have a real legitimate means, uh, a a purpose uh, for being here. Uh, Otherwise, uh, they're not going to be allowed in. But I must say, Alan, that uh, the border people I've talked to say it's been very quiet. We're seeing at this bridge, which is known locally as the local bridge, uh, it's a Texas Bridge only. People go across to the other side to buy gas. They go buy groceries, and in kind, Americans come over on this side of the bridge sometimes to do some shopping. It has been pretty lightly traveled anyway, but that is going to probably be curtailed even more as a result of what the federal government has announced today. You spent uh, yesterday at Pearson Airport, and now today you are at the border. Um, and I'm just wondering if you can give a sense of you know what you've been hearing from travelers who are coming back in. And, and I ask that because yesterday the medical officer of health here in Ontario specifically, specifically talked about a fresh challenge that we face, which is namely all of these people coming back in across the border and whether or not they will self-isolate and whether or not that is going to drive up the case numbers. Well, I can tell you at Pearson, I was there a couple of days this week, and the people who came back, the Canadians who came back, told me they were just so happy to be back on Canadian soil. They were really happy, and they were uh, to a person saying that they were going to self-isolate. And the people that I talked to looked like they meant that. Um, And I think Canadians are taking it seriously, the ones that I spoke to at the airport. Uh, Today, when we're talking about the, the bridge here, 
for example, people frequently go over for an hour or a half an hour. Sometimes they just go over to buy gas. They have a limited amount of interaction with people. But back to the border yesterday at Pearson, or at, at Pearson, we had, uh, I was fascinated because there was an outbound uh, China East flight where you had 300-plus um, Canadian, uh, Chinese, and Chinese nationals going back over there. They were jammed into that plane. There's so much for social isolation or distancing. That was not going to happen there. Those people were bundled up with masks, goggles, gloves, plastic ponchos. I've never seen anything like that. So, And, and a couple of people told me yesterday that, that the Chinese uh, family were being sent back to China. One man told me that the view was that it was safer to be in China than it was to be in Canada. That was their view, and that's why the flights were so packed. Incredible times. Sean O'Shea is uh, live at the border reporting for Global News, and we look forward to your reports throughout the day and, of course, tonight on Global News at 5.30 and 6. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Alan. I have time for just one more quick call before we take a break as we talk about trying to convince family members and convince people that we love that this is serious. Let's go to Mario from Barrie. Mario, are you trying to convince your children? Yes, yes I am. Uh, how's, how, how's that going? Yes. Um, uh, I just wanted to say quickly that I want to thank every nurse, every doctor, every volunteer, every medical professional that are putting their lives uh, on the line, taking care of us. Nobody mentions them. I, I don't know if it's appropriate, but I want to thank them for their service. Absolutely. Uh, I think we, we, we all concur. That can, and I can I just add to that those people who are going into work at grocery stores, those people who are going to Costco to stock the shelves, you know, all those people that are doing that, that incredible work that Mabel is going to ensure that the supply chain continues. But go ahead, Mario, with your own personal story. Yeah, uh, my biggest problem is my 21-year-old daughter that goes to university in Waterloo. She called me the other day. The biggest problem she has right now is that the the, the, the party that they were all getting ready for has been canceled. And she's concerned with that because she doesn't think it affects the younger people. So this is the per- people we need to convince. The younger generation might not get as sick as the older, but they are uh, they are infecting other people, and that's the point I was trying to make. Thank you for answering. Thank you. That. Thank you. Appreciate that, Mario. And I think a lot of people in that boat right now, just trying to, you know, not, I don't want to panic you. You're having that conversation. It looks like I don't want to freak you out, but, you know, it, this is serious. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your stories about trying to convince people that this is serious. And then if you want to call me and tell me that the world is overreacting, I'll listen to you. You know, I'll listen to that. And then I'll set you straight. I keep refreshing the page, but no new numbers for Ontario yet. They're expected to be out at around 10.30. The last couple of days, they've been generally coming around 10.45, 11 a.m. We get the new numbers. But here we are at 12.30 in the afternoon, more than two hours after it's normally updated, and we have no fresh numbers for Ontario. That does not necessarily mean that things are terribly bad. It just means that it may be difficult to collect all of the samples and get all of that testing information. We heard from the medical officer of health yesterday that Ontario is trying to get more tests. And we also heard from the associate medical officer of health that they are really going to be clamping down on who they test. So she talked about the, the 
worried well, I believe that was the term that she used, going to these assessment centers and really, you know, A, not having any reason to believe that you would have been exposed to it, nor showing any kind of signs or symptoms, and, and that that is just a waste of a test, and so that should not happen. 416-870-6400, we are taking your calls about trying to convince family members that they should either just get home or that they should stay home, whether you're talking to your parents, whether you're talking to your kids. Lisa is on the line, has been holding to talk to me about trying to convince Vince, her parents, to get back from Florida. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? I'm good. This is a, a tough situation. I just went through it with a family member of my own getting on the phone saying, no, this is not, you know, just because they're not talking about it where you are doesn't mean you don't need yeah. to get on a plane right now and get home. Exactly. And uh, they're actually in an RV down there, so they can drive back anytime they want to, and they just keep delaying and delaying. Right now, last week, I asked them to, you know, think about getting their butts home, and uh, they said, oh, we'll come back April 5th, you know, like we planned, and we'll see you at Easter. I said, uh, no, you're going to be quarantined for 14 days. (laughs) If you come back, then we won't see you at Easter. Uh, so now apparently they're planning to leave on Friday, and they want to be back on the 24th. So we'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I know that in my communications with family members, it 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 sort of driven up my blood pressure a little bit, and I just have to tamp it down and say, no, just communicate calmly, communicate calmly. Yeah. And I'm wondering how you're handling that stress of talking with your parents. Oh, absolutely. I've just been, you know, the, the irritating part is that they they don't take it seriously. Um, but, you know, I just have to take a breath and say what I have to say. And if it falls on deaf ears, there's not much I can do about it, right? So all I know is I won't be seeing them until at least 14 days or more after they get home. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that strange how we find ourselves later in life, you know, and now we're the ones trying to, like, talk some sense into our parents? Absolutely. I've felt like that for many years, actually. They're acting like a couple of teenagers, you know, they're... They're ziplining over alligator-infested waters down there and just, you know, living their best life, which is awesome, but I'm here parenting them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lisa, the very best, and I hope your parents get home soon. Take care. Thank you so much for the call. Your call is at 416-870-6400. Are you trying to convince somebody that it is time, it is time to take this more seriously? You know, I, I had a conversation. My son said to me yesterday, hey, Dad, uh, can we go to Best Buy? I was like, no, we can't go. And he's like, well, why not? I know what I want. I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to go grab my coat, and I'll be right back. And that's and I took a moment, and I said, just let me get my coat. Um, but we're not going. And it's it's not that, you, you know, it's not that everything is closed down, like, you know, the Premier said yesterday. It's that, you know, the, it's not everything shut for, biz, you know, shut down. And, you know, Best Buy, somebody is a corporate guy listening right now going, come on, we're still open, please. Uh, but you can order it online, right? And that's what I said to my son. If we need something, we can order it online and we can reduce the exposure to the outside. We can just absolutely curtail any kind of social interaction. I should mention this. I know a lot of people looking at this. The hours the LCBO have been scaled back. You may have heard this yesterday. They're still saying that, you know, they're not going to shut it down. And I really don't believe that they will. 
I, I just I just think that they'll designate that if they do get to a point where like everything's supposed to be closed, if they will continue to have grocery stores open. And I, th- I just think that the government will think, well, you know, booze is essential right now. <laughs> I think that's just what that'll be. Uh, Stephen's on the line. Uh, Stephen, uh, you, you trying to convince anybody to come home? Uh, just tell them that their travel insurance more than likely will not cover them if they get sick or have to be hospitalized. It's as simple as that. Um, it, it'll cost them thousands of dollars just to go into emerge, and they'll more than likely they will have to prepay it and then deal with their insurance after the fact. So if for no other reason, most travel insurances um, are insufficient with something like this, Get home, ASAP, or risk financial ruin. That's a good point, Stephen. And I know that uh, you know. I know for me, sometimes it's it's you know if you start talking the dollars and cents, that gets through to my noggin in a big hurry. It's like this is this is. I mean, you might believe that oh, it's all overblown and it's I'm not going to get it. And it's you know fatality rate is one percent and all the rest of it. And you're like it's going to cost you a lot of money. Like, well, okay, all right, thanks. Insurance. All right, thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Let's get to Mike, who's in Markham. Uh, Mike, you're picking somebody up at the uh, airport tonight? Um, my uh, niece has been in France since the beginning of the year, and uh, she finally was able to get a flight out. I think it's Air Transit, whatever. Something. She's got a flight coming up tonight. She's going to be in Toronto at 6.30. I have to pick her up and drop her off at, at another location. She can't physically go home because she has to self-quarantine. What do I do now? And then I have a wife and kids. What do I do now? I have to pick her up. I, I'm, I'm, you know, she's family. I have to take care of my family. But now I have my own wife and kids. What am I going to do? do? You have to pick her up? Like, is she I'm unable sorry. to take an Uber? I'm the, no, cause I'm the only one that's available to get her out. It's, it's, it's awkward situation, circumstance. But, well, uh, I, I, think, I, I think if you maintain social distancing, you probably should be okay. But I would check. Listen, I would, I, I would, I would check the public health because I, I, the website on that, um, because I don't want to give you, I don't want to give you a bum steer. I don't want to give you the wrong no, advice. I, Thank, I thanks, so I appreciate that. I think a lot of people in that in that position. I got to take a short break. Uh, when I come back, I am going to take you to Spain, which is now the new epicenter of the virus outbreak, and talk to talk to somebody who is there and is experiencing what's happening in that country. And I'm not suggesting that's what's coming here necessarily, but I think we should be, you know, listening to what the experiences are both in Italy and in Spain. Yesterday we had someone on from Italy talking about that, and she said, when I told her, you know, the Canadians are hoarding toilet paper, she said, I don't understand. I don't get that. Here in Italy, you know, we're locked down, but there's there's plenty of TP. We're uh, all in this together. Please, Dr. Ted, thank you. have some breaking news. The numbers have just been updated in Ontario. 22 new confirmed cases of COVID-19 now being reported. The number overall, 211 cases. Five of those resolved, one of those deceased. The important number here to also to look at are test numbers. The new test numbers, 13,897. 
That is up from just over 11,100 yesterday, so a good number of tests being performed, more than the 2,000 that the government, that the provincial government was hoping for, but still far less than the 5,000 a day they are hoping to achieve. And much of that is going to be about who get te- gets tested going forward. And we heard yesterday from the Associate Medical Officer of Health that going forward that they will only be testing people that have a travel history and symptoms, that really you must have some kind of reason to get tested. It's not just about, I'm kind of freaked out, I want to go get a test. That cannot happen right now because we we simply don't have the number of tests to do that. As I look through our numbers, 22 new, 22 new confirmed cases in Ontario. Almost all are listed as travel. Several are close contact travel the USA, Caribbean, USA, Japan, UK, Germany, Pakistan, Turkey, Mexico, United States, India, Austria, a number of these cases. And these are all reported as self-isolating. So there are your most recent numbers just coming out now from the Ministry of Health, the Ontario uh, Medical Officer of Health, pardon me, releasing those latest bits of information about the numbers. And they said yesterday the numbers would go up, and indeed they have. Let's take you to Spain, shall we? Spain's Ministry of Health has announced that that country has now registered 2,000 538 more cases in just the last 24 hours. And that brings the new total in Spain to over 13,700. Approximately 5,700 of those people are in hospitals. 774 are in intensive care. And the current death toll in Spain stands at 558. Jennifer Amahoney, pardon me, is a Canadian woman who is living in Spain and joins me on the line. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Oh, hi. Um, I'm actually British, um, Ah. but yes, I'm here in Madrid. (laughs) Well, you can be you can be uh, Canadian for the portion this portion of the radio program. How about that? Absolutely. What are you seeing where you are? Where uh, and and how's it? How are you? Let's start with that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm completely fine. Um, so I'm living in Madrid, which is very much the the epicenter of uh, of the outbreak in Spain. It's obviously all over the country, but um, the the vast number of cases are actually in uh, here in Madrid. Um, so life has obviously turned pretty much upside down. Um, Spain is a place where people really live their lives outdoors, um, you know, on the the terraces, in the bars. Um, and being confined to home is is really not normal for um, the vast majority of the people in this city. And are people taking this seriously? Are they uh, following the edicts from the government? Well, they don't have too much of a choice because um, they the police are really enforcing this um, th- these new measures very very strongly. Um, so on the first day that this was uh, announced, this sort of total lockdown, people did try to you know go for runs, go out for bike rides, and they were very swiftly stopped by the police and fined. And um, these fines can be quite hefty; um, they can go up to the you know the thousands of euros. 
um, for really serious infractions. So uh, people now are taking it pretty seriously because the police are absolutely everywhere and they are pulling people off the streets if they're not doing things they should be. Um, and really that, that means going out for food, going to the pharmacy, going to a hospital if you've got really serious symptoms. But otherwise, it's pretty much staying at home. So do you have to uh, have some kind of documentation to be able to, you know, go on public transit or can you even do that? Um, you would have to have, a, uh, for example, if you were, if you work somewhere where um, you're allowed to go, say you work in a supermarket or a hospital, and you would have to show some form of work ID um, or, you know, reassure uh, the police of, of where you're going. Um, otherwise, you just you just can't go anywhere. Um, press are also exempt from that. So if you have a press card and you have the, the correct accreditation, journalists are still allowed to work. Um, but it's uh, it's small numbers of people that are that are able to do this. And how, how are supplies in the stores? Um, so supplies are, um, are not too bad. As with everywhere in the world, apparently, um, you know, toilet roll is in short supply. Um, I don't know why this has become such a focus for, for panic buying, uh, but it has here too, as it has everywhere else. Uh, but otherwise, you can get pretty much everything. Um, I went to the supermarket just yesterday, and the only strange thing about going to the supermarket is they enforce a one meter distance between every single person shopping which means keeping uh, the numbers inside limited to. Um, so even if you're in line, you have to be one meter apart from the person in front of you at all times. And this is being enforced by the people working in the supermarket. Uh, and today in Canada, the government uh, announced a significant aid package. Is something like that already in place in Spain? So, yeah, similarly, yesterday, the government here also announced a uh, 200 billion euro kind of bailout, which I think is just over 300 billion Canadian dollars um, for uh, businesses and for individuals as well. So the majority of that is loans for businesses so that they can keep functioning. Uh, but people here will be able to delay mortgage payments, for example, um, and aid is being offered to uh, what the government said was the most vulnerable um, but people are still having to pay uh, pay their taxes, so that's um, that's going ahead. They, they're paid quarterly, and um, they're you know still having to pay them sort of tomorrow. Speaking with Jennifer, who is in Madrid right now, and Jennifer, if you had a piece of advice for Canadians who are further behind the curve, and hopefully the curve doesn't get to the same extent here in Canada as it has in Spain, but if you had a piece of advice for us as citizens, what would it be? Um, well, one of the most kind of cheering things I've seen in Spain is um, the real sense of community and solidarity. So identifying vulnerable people in your building who may not be able to do things like get their own groceries, uh, putting a note under their door and letting them know that you're available to help them. Um, and just, just identifying who's not going to be able to help themselves in this crisis and making sure they're getting everything that they need. Um, I think, you know, organizing, even if that's on your, your floor, your building, your, your neighborhood, um, you know, make sure those, those networks are being built up if they aren't already in place and just check that everybody around you is okay. Jennifer O'Mahony is living in Madrid. I appreciate you being on the, on the program. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that is the perspective from what is going on in Spain. I want to get back to the uh, phone lines again, if I could. 416-870-6400. What is worrying you? What is on your mind? 
Let's go to Joanne, who is online too, and uh, Joanne's calling in from Mississauga, and you're concerned about actually going to any kind of a store? Pretty well, but especially uh, a place like Costco, where I know for the last two weeks at least that uh, every day they've been having 900 to 1,000 people passing through the door per hour. And there's been no controls on, you know, and, and when you're on the floor, you can't even move your, your basket. It's so, it's so congested. And to me, that's a, a, a big worry. And I don't know how they're going to be able to control this, especially when we're only supposed to have 50 people at any, you know, at the very most. I know in some cases it's even down to 10. But, Joanne, do you uh, think that the, the government should uh, implement what we just heard from Spain, which is, you know, very strict one-meter separation? That might mean, you know, only so many people can go in the store at a time, and they must at all times maintain this distance. Do we, do we need that kind of an edict? I absolutely think we do. Because uh, people cannot be trusted to, like uh, a lot of them, as, as was discussed, isn't, uh, they aren't quite taking it as seriously as they should. All right. Thank, and, thanks, Joanne. I appreciate that. I just want to get to John here, who just called in. And, uh, John, your daughter is stuck in Ecuador. Is that right? That's correct. She's down there. Uh, she's been down there for two months. And she's now with a group from her uh, subdivision of about uh, oh, half a dozen people. And they can't get out. The, so there's no flights and, and and no way to get home. None at all. They're about uh, seven hours uh, bus ride from the major city. And even if they could get to the major city, Air Canada is not flying in, and and Ecuador has closed its borders. Uh, two people got out on the weekend that were in their group. They got out and went to um, uh, Colombia to Bogota. And then flew to New York City and finally got back to Toronto, and it took them 39 hours to do a five-hour flight. John, that is a tough situation for you. I'm, I'm thinking of you and, and all of the families out there that are, are facing the same kind of situation. I appreciate your call. I have time for one more call. I want to go to Adam. Uh, and, Adam, the, the line here on your call says, thinks, quote, the media is panicking everyone. Is yeah. that true? Yeah, I was listening to the, the question. Uh, I listened to the whole press conference, and about all the questions that the, the people were going was basically, "Why aren't you going crazy?" And they're going, "Calm down, we've got this under control." And you keep going, "No, no, it's terrible." No, no, I I absolutely disagree. There, I didn't hear any shouting at all in any of the press conferences, and I watched them all. And I will tell you, is that the what the WHO has said is it is time to act decisively. Now is not the time to be timid. No, and so, not, that's not what they're asking. That's not how they were asking the questions. They were asking the questions sort of like, okay, you're doing this. Why didn't you do this before? Well, we're doing it now. Why I understand. Listen, I understand that, and I, I concur. I think I think you were right. I, I think there will be a time. There will be a time to be able to say, why didn't we act sooner? Why didn't we not do a whole bunch of things differently? Now is not that time. Right. And I understand that, I mean, part of the job of the media is to ask those sort of questions. But you know what, Adam, I don't disagree with you that uh, perhaps now is not the time to say, how come, you're, you know, how come you bungled this or bungled that? So thank you for your call. I appreciate that. Um, so, you know, there's so much to talk about with all of this. And I, I, I want to talk just real quickly about what happened yesterday with the uh, Minister of Health, the Canadian Minister of Health. Uh, Patty Hader, who who sort of chucked up, choked up a little bit live on this program when when talking about you know trying to 
care for other people and look out for each other. And and a couple of people let me know, like, ah, oh, no. you know, geez, if it was a conservative, everybody would lose, you know, a minister, you know, cries during, you know, loses it during, like that, first of all, it didn't happen. It's called empathy. And I think, you know, I think we need to let ourselves all say this. It's okay to be worried. It's okay to be scared a little. These are uncertain times. We don't know where things are going. To be frightened, to be worried does not mean you are panicking. But to admit to each other that these are difficult times, we're going to need to rely on each other, we're going to need to be good to each other. I think that is so important, and I think if there is any message, as we await the Premier, who will be speaking at Queen's Park shortly, and we'll carry that here on Global News Radio, if there is one thing to take away from the last couple of days is what you heard from that call from Spain. Look out for each other. Find out how you can help. If you can still go out, then go out and get groceries for someone who is in self-isolation. Check in on your neighbors. Call your parents. Teach them how to use FaceTime on their device. Walk them through that so that they can be, you know, they can still be part of the community. Take care. I am back again tomorrow, noon, on this radio program. Tonight, Global News at 5.30 and 6. Join us then. Stay safe. Wash your hands and keep your distance. And if you don't mind, I'll just take one moment, please. I have to get my coat. I'll be right back. No matter where you live, what you do, or who you are, I'm going to go grab my coat and I'll be right back.